Hello, and welcome to another edition of Torah and Tequila with me, Rabbi Gadi Levi, as we venture into some insights with regards to Torah living and how to bring them into our own life. Hi, my dear friends, and welcome to another episode of Torah and Tequila where we study some interesting perspectives with regards to Judaism and how we can make that personable. We are about to enter into the festival of Pesach. And once again, we get ready for our preparations. And as everyone knows, we prepare, we clean, we get rid of chametz, get get ready with our uh, cele- celebratory festive meal, get our matzah and our mar, and we go through the Haggadah. And for some of us, the Haggadah can be a tedious experience. The reading of the Haggadah, working through it, can be a challenge. And I believe that it's so important for us to find something that is relevant to us with regards to our Pesach Seder and how the Pesach Seder can be relevant to us. And what I want to do a little bit is to work through a specific issue of the Pesach Seder as well as Pesach as a whole and see how perhaps we can all integrate this into our own lives. Um, The the concept that we're going to work with is we're going to work a little bit around this concept that is originally um, introduced by Rabbi uh, Eliyahu Dessler, who lived in the 50s, and he introduced this concept and he said, just as we see a physical experience in this physical world, we believe as Jews that there is a parallel that is a spiritual experience as well. Which means that if there is a certain monarchy that rules in the physical world, that th- that monarchy not only rules in the physical world, but it is able to rule because of its spiritual influence. Or, um, and if it rules over a certain nation, it will have a spiritual influence on that nation as well. And um, when we're talking about Egypt and Pharaoh, they ruled. Pesach is about the slavery and the exodus. And we want to talk about the slavery. And in order for, uh, what Rabbi Desla says, in order for a nation to enslave another nation, they must have a spiritual influence on that nation. And therefore, if we, during Passover, we walked out of Egypt, we had our experienced our own exodus. What's important to note is that we had a certain experience of a spiritual experience, not only a physical exodus, but also a spiritual exodus. And what I want to talk about is what is the uh, the trait, the midah, the, the personal trait, the physical trait that the Egyptians attempted to influence on the Jewish nation. And what is their stamp of how they lived their life? from a Torah perspective, from a Torah's perspective, how did they live their lives? And what is it, if we walking out of there, what is it that we need to walk away with? So, the if, if one looks around, one of the clearest traits, Egypt was a massive empire, a world empire. And um, we know that the Jewish nation were introduced to the Egyptian empire through Joseph. Joseph was a young boy 
who was taken down into Egypt as a sold down as a slave. He was working for a guy by the name of Potiphar. Potiphar's um, during that time, Potiphar realized how successful Joseph was, a brilliant individual, a great financier, and everything that was in his capacity, the Torah tells us, everything that he had was given over to Joseph. Joseph was in charge of everything of the running of Potiphar's estate, except for the bread, except for the bread that Potiphar ate. And our sages explained that Potiphar gave over control of all that he had, gave it all over to um, to Joseph, except for the bread, our sages say, meaning except for his personal relationship, which was his wife. And obviously, we're all familiar that his wife couldn't keep her eyes off Joseph and she couldn't stand not being with him, begged him, begged him, begged him to lie with him. And Joseph refused. Eventually, one day, she grabs him and he runs away and she's so broken, she screams and Joseph is thrown into jail. Now, if, although we're familiar with the story, if one were to just think a little bit about the situation. Potiphar is probably a very ungrateful individual. Here Potiphar has a young man who has given him financial success. He has brought, true, he has brought Joseph in as a slave, and but Joseph has turned Potiphar's estate into one of the most successful things that exist. Not only that, but Potiphar's wife, you don't think that Potiphar knew what was going on with regards to his wife? You don't think he noticed that his wife couldn't keep her eyes off this young slave? Potiphar for sure knew that sooner or later she would succeed in seducing this young Joseph. And guess what happens? Joseph stands the test. He stands the trial and he avoids having any relationship with Potiphar's wife. Surely a man like that would be extremely grateful to Joseph, not only for everything that he's done, but also for keeping his zip up, for not falling to the temptation of Potiphar's wife. Joseph is, is from many aspects, he's loyal to Potiphar. He denies Potiphar's wife. Surely Potiphar would express some gratitude towards Joseph, and yet we don't find anything. The moment that happens, Potiphar throws Joseph in the jail and acts as if he has never known this guy before. This is an attitude or an act of absolute ungratefulness, where someone comes in and changes your life for the good. Not only that, your wife tempts you, tempts him, and he stays loyal to you and to your marriage, respects it, and instead of ex expressing gratitude, you're going to throw him in jail? That's an ungrateful behavior. We not only see this around, but we also see this with regards to Joseph and the butler. Joseph explains to the butler, he gives this beautiful uh, explanation of the butler's dream, and he begs the butler, please remember me. Remember me in front of Pharaoh and get me out of jail. And the butler does not remember. The butler got an opportunity whereby Joseph brought him out. And yet the butler couldn't express any gratitude, forgot about Joseph. This goes even further. Pharaoh eventually has these dreams, seven cows, some fat cows, some thin cows. 
And it, he knows, Pharaoh knows, that this is going to influence the financial stability of his entire empire. And there's one young boy, a Hebrew, Joseph, who bring, he explains what the dream is. And Joseph not only does that, but he brings a path forward of financial stability for the rest of the Egyptian empire from that point onwards. And Egypt thrives through the most difficult famine that that region has ever seen. Egypt thrives and does so well in a very short time after the passing of Joseph. We read a verse, and you king got up who did not know Joseph. And you king got up that did not know Joseph? Are you kidding me? He forgot the founding father, the stability, the amazing prince who brought brought your country through the most difficult time that existed to not know Joseph? How could you not know Joseph? Where's your sense of gratitude? Nothing. Not only that, originally when Joseph is brought out of the pit in front of Pharaoh, he explains he takes no um, no, no fame for himself. Joseph said, God has explained to me. God will explain to me your dream. God is what explains. God says, this is the way it should, it should be done. This is how you're going to survive through your financial famine. And yet, Pharaoh decides to enslave the Jews. And then when Moshe comes out, Moses comes to, comes to Pharaoh. He says, Pharaoh, God said to me, let my nation go and serve me in the desert. Moshe only asked for three days to allow the Jews to leave for three days to serve God. And we know who God is. Pharaoh knows who God is. God was the one that guided Joseph. He's the one that brought the nation through their famine. And yet, the moment Moshe mentions the, the name Hashem, Pharaoh says, who is God? I do not know him. Why should I listen to him? I've never heard of this name, God. That's an attitude of ungratefulness. Absolute ungratefulness. You have a nation that served you for 200 years, and yet you can't express your gratitude. That is an attitude of ungratefulness. So, on the one hand, although we see there is a physical slavery, just bring plugging this concept into the words of Rabbi Dessler. On the one hand, we have the, Jew, we have the nation, uh, the Egyptian nation, enslaving, physically enslaving the Jewish nation, but their spiritual influence is the trait of ungratitude, of ungratefulness. And therefore, when God takes the Jewish nation out, there's a huge um, push towards Learning the trait of gratitude. Learning the trait of gratitude is so important for us to uproot from within our own selves this trait of the Egyptians. <clears throat> and then you see it. If you start looking around, we see this all over. The trait of gratitude is such a strong Jewish trait. Let's start from... Um, the interesting concept that when we brought the when God brought the first two plagues, 
the plague of blood, and the plague of frogs. What was needed to be done was to um, Moshe was told to 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 tell Aaron, his brother, take the stick and hit down the water, and the water will turn into blood. And our sages ask, why is Moshe told to tell Aaron to do this to bring on the plague? Why couldn't Moshe himself bring the plague of blood and the frogs? And Rashi says something very interesting, and I'm just going to quote. Here says Rashi, Since the Nile protected Moses when he was cast into it, it therefore was not smitten by Moshe, neither with blood nor with frogs, but was smitten by Aaron. Moshe couldn't express an act of cruelty onto the Nile, whether it be bringing out the blood or the frogs. Moshe couldn't do it. It needed to be done by someone else. It got done by Aaron because Moshe needed to express gratitude. His gratitude towards the water, the inanimate object that was there, that floated him while he was a baby. And Moshe needed to learn that attitude, the sensitivity of expressing gratitude towards things that benefited you. Not only that, we see elsewhere, the Torah tells us that there are two tribes, two nations, the Ammonite and Moabite, that are not allowed to marry into the Jewish nation. It says, even the 10th generation shall never enter the assembly of the Lord because they do not greet you with bread and water on the way when you left Egypt. So, these Ammonite and Moabites, since they do not bring us bread and water when the Jewish nation left Egypt. We're not allowed to marry into them, not even for 10 generations. Now, what about an Egyptian? Are we allowed to marry into the Egyptians? What is worse, someone who is passive, Ammonite to Moabite, who didn't bring us bread and water, or someone who's active in their cruelty towards us, namely the Egyptians? The Torah tells us with regards to the Egyptians, you're allowed to marry within to, into them after three generations. Ammonites and Moabites, not even ten generations. Says, says the Torah, you shall not despise an Egyptian for you are a sojourner in his land. Says Rashi, you shall not despise an Egyptian, absolutely, but only the first two generations, even though they cast your male infants into the Nile, even though Egyptians abuse the Jews, they murdered our children. We're not allowed to despise them. Why? Because they hosted you in a time of dire need. When Jacob needed to go down during a time of famine, the Egyptian nation hosted Jacob in the core of the, of the Jewish nation. And because of that, we will always be grateful towards them. Such an act of gratitude to a most cruel nation that abused us, that murdered our own children, Torah tells us you need to be grateful to them because they were good for you at the time of need. We see this even in an act with regards to animals. When um, kosher meat needs to be slaughtered ritually, correctly, if one, ba- if, however, if one has... Um, an animal that died or that was killed 
without ritual slaughter. We're not allowed to eat it. What do we do with it? Torah tells us we give it to the dog. You shall throw it to the dogs. Why? Because the Holy One, blessed is he, does not withhold the reward of any creature, but to all the, as it says, and to all the children of Israel, not one dog will wet its tongue. When the Jewish nation left Egypt, the dogs did not bark. And because the dogs did not bark, we're going to express our gratitude to those animals. Forever, we're going to express our gratitude to the dogs, which is such a fascinating object concept. The idea that we need to express gratitude even to inanimate objects, even to animals. We're always going to be nice to the dog because way back when the dog was the one that was quiet during a time where it would naturally bark. So we see this concept that on the one hand the Egyptians were a nation that had this strong spiritual trait of ungratefulness and then at the same time we have on the other side the Jewish trait is the importance of expressing gratitude. Now I want to bring this across just for a moment to the Pesach Seder. It's so important for you and me when we sit down around the table, the table of Pesach, around the Seder table, that we not only express the understanding of the slavery and the difficulties and the challenges that the Jewish nation had in the time of Egypt. That is part of our obligation at the night of Seder, at the night of Pesach. But what we need to do more is a understand the slavery and the challenges that we went through and then experience or develop the concepts of Hashem bringing us out, the miracles He did for us, and then to take that to the next level, express our gratitude. Our gratitude not only for that which He brought us out way back then, but our gratitude to Him for us now. What did God do good for us here, today, nowadays? Where can we find our own exodus with regards to, be it addiction, regards to our personal challenges? What was our own personal exodus that we experienced? And how can we take that and express our gratitude to Hashem for the kindness that He gave us? And that, my friends, is the job we need to achieve on the night of Pesach. I want to read to you for, um, take a moment here and just read to you the, the source of what Maimonides writes is our obligation on the night of Pesach. It is a positive commandment, and this is what he writes, it is a positive commandment in the Torah to relate the miracles and wonders brought on our ancestors in Egypt on the night of the 15th of Nisan. As it says in the Torah, remember this day on which you left Egypt. Just as it says, um, and and you shall tell your son on that day, saying it is because of this, implying that the mitzvah to be fulfilled when the matzah and mara are placed with you. This mitzvah applies even though one does not have a son, even though one is a great sage, we are obligated to tell about the exodus from Egypt, and whoever elaborates concerning the events which occurred and took place is worthy of praise. 
So on the one hand, Maimonides says there's an obligation for us to elaborate concerning the events which occurred and took place in Egypt, which is this importance of recognizing the miracles that God did then. However, he goes on and says that one is meant to go and develop the mitzvah of the telling over of the story of the Bikurim. The concept of when we bring our first fruit to the Beit HaMikdash, to the temple, we express gratitude and we'd go through the story. We tell over that Terach, the father of Abraham, was an idol worshiper and then Jacob was attempted to be murdered by Lavan. God saved him and then God brought us down to Egypt and we were slaves there. God took us out. And now I express my gratitude to God through bringing the first of our fruits. Maimonides right over there when he talks about this, he says, whoever adds and extends this extrapolation of this passage is praiseworthy. What Maimonides seems to be saying is that there are two mitzvahs. There's one, the mitzvah of elaborating concerning the events which occurred and took place. That is telling over the actual story of the slavery, the, the miracles, and the exodus. And then on the other hand, this obligation of taking, of expressing our gratitude, expressing our gratitude to Hashem, to God, for all the personal experiences that we have. And that, my friends, is something that we need to integrate into our own life and into our Pesach Seder. Find the gratitude. Find the gratitude. The more grateful a person has, the happier one becomes. I thank you for listening to me and I wish you a wonderful Chag Kasher B'Sameach, a kosher, happy, joyous Pesach and I wish you a wonderful day. Keep well. You've been listening to another edition of Torah and Tequila with me, Rabbi Gadi Lili. I thank you for joining me and I hope to be in touch with you guys again. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out and email me at rabbig at lechaimcenter.org. Have a great day.